0: What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'm here with the first episode of 2023. First part of 2023. uh, It was an awesome year. Obviously, this is... This has been an awesome ride, but I hope everyone had a happy new year uh, or a a good holiday uh, weekend with their family, with their friends. I hope everyone got out of that safe. You know how that goes. Uh, People driving late at night to get home and whatnot. Uh, But this episode, I'm going to be talking about a few things. Uh, Some of the games I'll be breezing through, just kind of giving some quick thoughts on some of these games. Uh, Maybe going in depth for a couple of other topics on the episode. But so I watched a few games over the weekend, right? Portland Trailblazers losing to the Warriors. It was an interesting matchup to watch you know kind of unexpected how it ended in my opinion but interesting matchup between the Celtics and the Nuggets where something funny happened in the middle of the fourth quarter which I'll get into. The Grizzlies versus the Kings was a quick browse for me. It was a chance for me to watch two explosive guards in John Morant and De'Aaron Fox but it was a chance for me to watch just two young teams on different paths right. Uh, the Bucks played the Wizards without Giannis, Middleton and Drew Holiday but I'll get into that one for a little bit as well. Um, I I also want to talk a little bit about the red hot Brooklyn Nets as they continue their win streak I want to talk a little bit about Donovan Mitchell's crazy 71 point performance uh, which actually happened last night but let's get right into it all right so I, on, I want to start with the game that I wouldn't want to say it got out of hand because it was still a close one. Uh, but the Trailblazers Warriors game, right? It was a fun game throughout, especially towards the end. But it was I mean, when I tell you I I did not expect to 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 see the Warriors leave this game with a dub, right? Like leave this game with a win. I I was I mean these two I mean, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole were insane in this game you get 41 points from pool you get 31 from clay and i don't care how bad of a season it's been for golden state you add steph curry and andrew wiggins alongside you get a good Draymond game you get uh, obviously jordan Poole and clay thompson showing up um a couple of the young guys obviously come through and and do their thing uh and they have just as good of a chance as anybody at winning the title right now i'm watching jordan Poole obviously and i'm already assuming you know he's he, this is a guy that when when the when the Warriors are down some guys, right, or or when he's just in, when he's just out there on the court, um, he is obviously the go to guy for the most part. And he plays so free, so comfortable with the fate of the game in his hands. Incredible to see how far he's come in his basketball journey. Um, you know, and I remember talking about the Warriors. Early on, before the before the season started, about how the Warriors had to make a decision between Wiggins, Poole, and Draymond in terms of pay. But man, I don't know what's gonna happen because games like these and the current win streak they're on—I think it's like a five-game win streak. You have to think this team is on the right track. They have found life. Um, you get you know you get Steph back in the mix, Wiggins back in the mix, it, things like that. And this team. Uh, can quickly uh, pick up steam, you know, and they are right now. Um, but back to this game for a little bit. I just want to talk a little bit about this, right? So I'm watching the, the Trailblazers really hold a lead throughout the entire game, right? And pretty much like the last 40 to 50 seconds in the fourth quarter was where the Warriors just, you know, open threes, open threes, fast break outlet passes, uh, Trailblazers struggling to score, and then you see the, the score that it was. 118 one twelve, Warriors winning the game, um, but it was crazy to see because it's like you know, you, you Clay Thompson's hitting threes, Jordan Poole's hitting threes down the stretch, uh, Dante DiVincenzo hits basically like the dagger three um, in in that situation at the top of the key. Um, I don't know if you guys watched that game, but you know it was it was crazy because they really snowballed in the last thirty five to forty seconds in the most Warriors way, right? Where it's like a, it's a close game, it's tic tac, they're trading offense. And then all of a sudden, the Warriors are getting stops or, or the Trailblazers are just struggling to score. And then on the other end, uh, the Warriors just continuing to get buckets. And, you know, that was the game. And, and it was really typical of what I've been seeing from Portland. You know, a team that, that just, you know, you look at the standings, right? And you just, you just see kind of where they're at, right? Seventh seed in the West, which, you know, it's, you know, right now, as of today, I'm looking at it. They're 19-17, and 17. But, you know, it's it's that kind of season for them, you know? A lot of highs, a lot of lows, just, you know, uh, you don't know really what this team is going to be, right? Like, you see the the structure, right? This is a team that has a lot of two-way players, but it's like you just can't put your finger on on what you expect this team to do if they get to the playoffs, which I I guess, you know, I mean, the way this season's going for a lot of other teams, uh, you would think that the Trailblazers... Are gonna are gonna make the playoffs. It's still super early, so anything can happen. Um, you know, you're looking at the Suns down here in the eighth seed. You know, really dropping. I mean, the Suns on a three-game losing streak, and they're just they're just really struggling to win games. Uh, but back to the topics on this episode. So yeah, that Trailblazers Warriors game was really fun to watch throughout until you know the, the typical Warriors snowball offense, right, where they just get ridiculously hot and just demoralize you knocking down threes. And I wanna get into this next game. I didn't fully watch Grizzlies Kings. I, I was kind of swapping around between the games. You know, the Bucks were playing the Wizards. Obviously, the Celtics were playing the Nuggets. So I was kind of swapping around. These games were happening around the same time. And the Grizzlies-Kings was a chance for me to kind of watch some possessions, you know, watch Deer and Fox and John Morant go at it, both of them being explosive guards, similar athletically, right? I would say, obviously, John Morant to me, more athletic. But it's a chance to see two young teams on different paths in the moment in terms of expectations, right? Like Memphis being the better team, A lot of people expect to have a deep run. And the Kings being the team that's chasing their first playoff appearance since, like, 06, right? Um, You know, and and I think about this, right? Like, you know, De'Aaron Fox, a couple of years older than John Morant, right? De'Aaron Fox is, like, 25 years old. I think John Morant's 23. I believe he's 23 years old. And, you know, just... It's just how, obviously, it's all about situation as well, right? Like, the Kings just haven't been run well, right, Uh, from from a front office perspective. Uh, They've turned things around, though, right? Like, definitely, you're starting to see the culture being set, with the Kings, obviously the Memphis Grizzlies far ahead in that sense, uh, in terms of what they've done recently, in terms of what they're currently doing, in terms of roster construction, just you know, front office top to bottom, the team the team is 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 way ahead of the Sacramento Kings. Um, but it's interesting to see you know two guys that are very similar in age. And in just in two different situations in their careers. Right. Um, but you know, you watch a guy like John Morant and, you know, the Aaron Fox, uh, he was he came in as like uh lockdown, just a great defender in college, you know, and, and he has good moments. He's he's a good defender in the NBA. Um he's one of the they're very similar in the sense of these guys are hyper athletic, they're very quick, they're super explosive, and you know, the jump shot is what eludes is what really uh, haunts both of these guys, right? Like I actually want to go through and I want to see the three-point percentage for Ja Morant. Let me see what, what he's shooting at this season, right? Because th- that's, that's really what's, what's, uh, what's the part of the game that's missing for both of these guys, funny enough, right? So I'm looking at the three-point percentage this season for Ja. Uh, 31%, you know, not good, right? Just under league average, right? And he's taking about five a game. So let me go to Aaron Fox and see uh, what Aaron Fox is shooting. 34% from three, right? And he's taking five a game. So a little bit better than Jaw, right? Um, and it, so far, it's been his second best season in terms of three point percentage. Uh, his second season was the highest percentage I'm seeing here on basketball reference, which was 37%. Uh, that was the only time he's ever shot above league average. Um, and this season, he's almost at league average in three point shooting. But, you know, for these two guys, it really knocking down threes at a league average percentage, like let's just say 35%, right? That's going to open up a ton for both of these players. Um, and it's funny to see how, how kind of similar they are. You know, the Aaron Fox makes g- really good passes as well. I would say, obviously to me, John ja Morant, the far better passer, you know, just more of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to put it on, on because Ja because John could really, he really goes for score first, but he's, but there's just, he goes through stretches where he's just looking to make plays first, like just pass the ball. So, you know, these two guys, it was pretty interesting to watch them because kind of similar, right? Like they look to put the ball down first, not really looking for the jumpers, you know, just getting downhill, looking to suck in the defense and then kick out. Right. Or, you know, look for the alley-oop passes. These guys are, are very similar to watch. It was it was pretty interesting. It was kind of like looking in a mirror. Um, but, you know, obviously John Morant, just the far better player um, as of right now. But, yeah, you know, just kind of flipping through, you know, that was that was pretty cool to watch a couple of those possessions. I want to get into this game that was interesting to me. It was the Bucks versus the Wizards. Now, I'm watching... Mainly, I'm watching the Celtics-Nuggets game. That was the game of the night. But the Celtics... Or the wizards Bucks game, right? No Giannis, no Middleton, no Drew Holiday. And so, I want to see what this team has in the tank without these three guys. Now, obviously, do I expect them to win? The thing is, they're playing the Wizards, so... I don't know if I mean you know I would I would think that the Wizards should win this game and they did you know obviously I mean you're looking at I was looking at the score at the time they were down the Bucks were down like twenty man and you and I think to myself like man you know this game ended one eighteen to ninety five and this team without Giannis Middleton and. And uh, Drew Holiday, I mean, obviously, it's their three best players. It's their big three, right, if you want to really call it, like, the big three. And then you're seeing, obviously, you know, but no Bradley Beal in this game, right? He he did not play in this game. So you're getting, you know, Kyle Kuzma and Porzingis, right? Uh, Rui Hachimura had a big game that night, 26 points. Um, you know, you get a nice little game from, um, from Corey Kispert. He's scoring 12 points in this game. But, you know, it, it was just kind of like... Um, I mean I would bet on the Wizards in this game knowing that that there's no there's no Middleton no Holiday and no Giannis right but it, it it was just you know it was interesting to see how how badly this Bucks team not only how badly they need Giannis because when Giannis is off the floor man, this team really struggles, you know, and and you would think that this team could hold its own because of all the shooting. They can really play five-man out, but, you know, you take these three guys out of the game, right? It's a disaster, and I guess you could say that about any team in the league. You know, you take out three of their best players and they're awful, Um, but, you know, it was just interesting to see how bad they were, you know? I mean, and then it goes to show you, like, how... Just how valuable a guy like Giannis really is. Because losing a game like this, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, let let's see the the three point percentage here, right? The wizards shot twenty-five percent from three. Let's see what the what the what the Bucks shot. Twenty-six percent. Yikes. You know, this was not a fun game to watch, you know, and, and and like I said, I was not actually fully watching that game. I was just kind of watching a couple of possessions and it's just, you know, Giannis demands so much attention. You take him out of the equation and this team just scrambles to try to score. It's it's pretty crazy. You know, it's pretty crazy to watch that. I was not going to say I was disappointed because you're taking away three, the three best players on the team. So, you know, it, it was but it was also interesting to see, you know, just how how bad the Bucks look. I mean, this is like I mean, I think even with Drew Holiday and Middleton, I, I mean, this this team still, you know, it feels like, like they have no identity when when Giannis is just not there, you know. Giannis isn't there, and this team is not, does not look anything like, like the team you see when Giannis is out there. Uh, and it happens when he's resting, right? Like when he's just out in the beginning of the second quarters or whenever it is that he comes out of these games, um, you know, halfway through the first quarter, and the team really struggles to get anything done without Giannis. It's, it's you know, it, that just goes to show how amazing Giannis is. Um, but yeah, you know, I want to kind of get into this, uh, these Brooklyn Nets. Um, and so what I do when I see these games, you know, they, they're on a big streak, right? But I want to verify how compelling the streak really is, right? So I look at their schedule to see, you know, who have they been playing, right? Like that's... That's really something that I want to see. So I go and look. So the streak starts here, right? December 7th is what I'm looking at. They beat the Hornets, 122 to 116, right? Meh, right? That's what you think when you're seeing it. They beat the Hawks, 120 to 116. Good win. Uh, they beat the Indiana Pacers, 136 to 133, right? Yikes. Giving up 133 to the Indiana Pacers. But they get the win, right? So that's the third win. Uh, they beat the Wizards, right? So that's back to back. You know, bad teams, right? Um, you're looking at the, uh, the Raptors, 119 to 116. Good little win right there. Uh, they beat the Pistons, 124 to 121. Uh, they beat the Warriors, 143 to 113. Warriors kind of, you know, struggling, right? But, but you know, big win, right? 143 to 113, that's a, that's a huge deficit right there for the Warriors. The Nets beat the Bucks, 118 to 100, uh, which was a game I watched. And yeah, definitely, you know, that looked like uh, they they definitely destroyed the Bucks in that game. Great win! Um, they beat the Cavs one twenty five to one seventeen. That's a big win as well. Uh, it's a team that's obviously one of the be- one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference and in the NBA. Um, the Brooklyn Nets beat the Hawks again one oh eight to one oh seven good little win right there as well solid uh, well they've been awful but it is a team that's out there scoring right like it's a team that that can really snowball offensively so that's a good win for the nets they beat the charlotte hornets convincingly 123 to 106 that was december 31st you know they beat the spurs which was uh, obviously last night uh monday night right? Uh, 139 to 103, which I expected, right? And they're going to be playing on January 4th, uh, which, Wednesday, which is Wednesday, they're going to be playing the Chicago Bulls. So, you know, they have a chance to really, you know, get ahead in this, like in terms of their win streak, like they can just keep pushing forward. They're on a 12 game win streak after beating those San Antonio Spurs. They could, they could realistically get to 13, uh Playing the bulls, right? Um, you know this is a team twelve and seven on the road, thirteen and five at home they 're getting solid wins, and you know even if a couple of those wins were against bad teams, twelve game win streak is not something you see. All the time, right, and especially from a team that we, that we, you know, and me included, right, uh, where we kind of really gave them hell, right, like we're like, oh, you know, we don't know what this team's gonna be, even though uh, before the season I predicted this to be a fifty-win plus team. I just thought that they would come back with a different energy. I thought that they would be, um, you know, just energized, motivated to just be able to play games. You know, Kyrie hopefully being back to play and things like that, right, and and so far. Um, that prediction looks realistic. Um, it looks pretty realistic, and and I did say, man, like it looks like you know. I even did an an apology episode uh, where where I apologized for my for my Nets prediction of fifty of fifty plus wins. Um, you know, because they were just so they were just dropping hard, right? And and when you see that, you you can't drop games early that hard. When you're predicting a 50 win season, because then you then you have to hope that they have a massive win streak, and that's what we're seeing right now. So you know, 25 and 12 uh, overall record, second in the East. Nice little you know game ahead of the nice little like two games ahead of the of the Bucks, right? Which is you know wouldn't have thought that uh, you know a, a month ago or so. Right. Because you're thinking you're thinking, wow, this team is really trending down. You know, Steve Nash gets fired. Um, you know, you get the you know, the, the crazy news with Kyrie Irving. Ben Simmons, things are swirling. But this team has quickly turned the season around. And, you know, you give like I said on a different pod on a, on a pod a couple of pods ago. You know, you give a team with with these guys like a KD, a Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, some uh, some some confidence. And I mean, this team is a threat for sure. You know, just hoping the team stays healthy, hoping they stay consistent. You know, it's a long, long season, right? We're just, we're only in January, right? We're, we're not even at all star break yet. Um, but this team's looking awesome, right? Now, I want to talk about, a little bit about, because I, I watched the, um, the game between the Celtics and the Nuggets, right? This was, it was like, I mean, you look at the team, as a whole for the nuggets, right? And and first of all, the the nuggets haven't beaten the Celtics since 2019, right? And and they're playing the the Celtics without Jamal Murray. But you're looking at the the nuggets and you got guys like Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown just perfect fits for this team and for and for Jokic as a distributor, as a passer of the basketball, right? Like like Jokic, I mean, I'm going to say his success heavily depends on The guys around him. And you could say that about any. I guess you could say that about any team. But when we're talking superstars. Right. Like. You look at a guy like an early LeBron. Like. um, Even an early Kevin Durant. Or. Or. um, You know. Who else can I name it? Like. uh, Maybe like a Giannis. You know. Like. These are guys that can really. Luka Doncic. Obviously. These are guys that can really. Put a team on their back. And win a lot of games. But. But if if they don't have a lot of these guys, like they really need the spacing, they need the shooting around them because they're such like these are guys that they they demand so much attention from the opposing team and they end up kicking it out and, and putting the ball in their role players courts. Um, you know, like like a lot of people hate on LeBron for that kind of stuff, right? Because he's, he's, I mean, he's an incredible scorer, right? He's like one of the, he's obviously one of the best scorers ever and he's likely going to be the leading scorer in NBA history. Um, he's going to end up passing Kareem eventually, you know, but obviously his game is known as one of the best passers of all time and just a great playmaker. So, you know, a guy like Jokic is in this category where, yeah, he's a triple-double machine, but this is a guy that obviously the passing is amazing and and you're seeing the comparisons like people saying oh you know we're seeing um you know he's he's at the level of like a Magic Johnson or or Larry Bird like you're seeing that a lot around uh when it comes to Jokic's passing ability his court vision just just what he's done right away from the ball and and things like that right because we know he's dominant in terms of scoring right like he's 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 a double double machine in terms of just just points rebounds right but 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 he gets the the double digit assists you know this this guy you know it, it's almost like like the pass he makes you're like wow you know Obviously he's so tall, but so he can see over the defenses. But like the, the no look passes, the 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 threading the needle passes, the outlet passes it for the fast break. Like he's like he's got a guy like Aaron Gordon cutting back door for alley oop dunk opportunities. You know he has so many options and shooters, and, and he just has a lot. Jokic does, and you have Michael Porter Jr. on a good night. Um, You add a healthy Jamal Murray, this team feels unbeatable, right? But, you know, it's always that thing, right? Like, is Michael Porter Jr. going to be healthy? Is Jamal Murray going to be healthy? And in this game, there was no Jamal Murray. Um, And, you know, I'm looking at how hard this game was for Grant Williams, right? Like, what an exhausting night. For Grant Williams. He's guarding Jokic on post-up possessions. Then he's guarding Aaron Gordon on post-up possessions. He switches on to Michael Porter Jr. And it's just a size advantage for the Nuggets across the board. And even, even then, the Celtics out-rebounded them. Which was crazy to see, right? So... You know, these these uh it was a it was a solid game. Like it was it was it was a very back and forth game. Um, you know, and I'm watching obviously, you know, Jason Tatum, I'm watching Jalen Brown. These guys are really uh making it hard for for the Nuggets to to defend the rim And, and they don't defend. They don't have good rim protection right like they just don't and jokic has improved a lot defensively um uh, but obviously you know jokic slow-footed guy you know not a guy that's going to guard you out there on the perimeter and you get him out there on isolation or you put him on an island and you can get to the basket pretty easily you know that's obviously one of the knocks um you know that's one of the knocks on jokic and so you definitely saw that and I was thinking man this is not a good matchup for the for the for the Nuggets because you know the Celtics love to play fast they they love to attack the rim they score in the mid-range they love playing against drop coverage centers because they get to get to their mid-range opportunities um you know a lot of floaters and things like that a lot of threes you know but this was a game where the Celtics struggled from 3 I mean they shot 27 percent from three you know you go to the box score right uh Jason Tatum 0 for 4 from 3 Uh, Al Horford 2 for 6 Derek White 2 for 5 Marcus Smart 0 for 4 Malcolm Brogdon 0 for 3 Grant Williams missed his only three you know so uh, in this game it was really um you know Jalen Brown was the only one you know 50 percent from three he shot four for eight had a solid game Tatum had a great game as well You know, I'm not saying he didn't, right? Uh, We're looking at a 25-point game for Tatum and a 30-point game for Jalen Brown. But the Celtics are a team that really falls in love with three-point shooting. And that's really what got these guys out of this game, right? Like, I wanted to see way more paint points because you're really bailing out the Denver Nuggets. Mainly, you're bailing out Jokic, right? And guys that can't stay in front of you uh, when you're shooting threes. You know what I'm saying? And the game plan... For the for the Nuggets is going to be, hey, like, you know, if they're going to shoot those threes, we can kind of, you know, and they were the the Nuggets were, were defending the three pretty well, you know, but the Celtics really just settling for three pointers over and over and over again, you know, and and I just, you know, I don't know, you know, it's that's that's what I've noticed from the Celtics like they've been the best team in basketball, in my opinion. They've had great stretches. They've had a couple of bad losses. They've looked great this year, you know, but um, yeah, I did notice that, you know, that is something that, that would concern me if I was a Celtics fan, you know, a lot of three pointers, right? Uh, A team that really loves to shoot threes. And you know what they say, you know, you live and die by the three. Now this is a team that can definitely knock down a ton of threes and they get a lot of good looks because the ball movement is just, it's, it's, I mean, it's awesome, watch the ball movement because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, when they attack, they demand a ton of attention and they have two of those guys that can score in isolation, that can score in the mid-range, that can really get downhill. They can even knock down threes, obviously, at a high clip. Uh, The role players can knock down threes at a high clip. So there's a ton of spacing with the Celtics, but I think that they need to really, you know, not rely on the three so much, you know, if, if you start to see some that just are not falling. You need to start getting some 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 paint buckets, right? Like attack the rim, force the other team's hand, put the guys in foul trouble. You have two lanky wings in Tatum and Brown. These guys can just get a ton of foul calls, right? And then... You you see some you start to get some points down low. Then you can come back out and, and try to get back in the rhythm to shoot some threes. But I see them just three after three after three after three, and they're dinging themselves in a hole because on the other end, Jokic is scoring, uh, Jokic is distributing. The, the Nuggets are knocking down threes. I mean, this was a game, it felt like the Nuggets were, were, were on fire from three. Let me see the percentage here. Yeah, 56% from three. <laughs> I mean... And it goes hand-in-hand hand with what I saw. I mean, you see uh, Michael Porter Jr., 42% from three. He shot three for seven. Aaron Gordon shot one for two, which is 50%. Jokic shot two for two from the three. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, two for three from three. Bruce Brown, four for six from three. Bones Highland, who was awesome in this game, by the way, 17 points for him. But, you know, you're looking at a game from Jokic, 30 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds. Like It's just a, just a monster of a game you know and then you get 18 points from aaron gordon you get 19 from michael porter jr along with a great three-point shooting night and it was good night right for the celtics i mean this game and and i want to get into something about this game so towards the towards the end of the game it's like the middle of the fourth quarter it was uh it was an alley-oop pass from jalen brown to rob williams and rob williams dunks it Super hard causing the rim to move like slightly off of its normal position and they had this like liquid leveler thing I'm not a tool guy, right? So I don't know what what to call it It's that it's that thing that that makes sure that the things are balanced and it's like a little liquid It's like a green. I don't know I probably sound really stupid trying to explain that but whatever the point is they're using this leveler right to make sure that the rim is balanced right that it's even And they just can't figure it out. And they got these two guys on a ladder, unscrewing the rim, trying to figure it out. It's 30 minutes of a delay of these guys. You're seeing... Guys play rock, paper, scissors with the fans because they're just sitting around, you know, some guys are stretching, some guys are kind of like running some laps, waiting for this entire thing until they realize they can't figure it out. So they just decide to uninstall the rim and then just swap it for a new rim, right? They reinstall a new one. And uh, meanwhile, it's it's 110 to 97, With 6.43 left in the game, right? So this game, 6 minutes, 43 seconds, that's a ton of time. But when you're looking at the way this game is unfolding, uh, the Nuggets were really running away with the game. But anyway, so it's a 40-minute delay. And they even had to do a layup line warm-up. Like, you know, in the pregame, you're seeing the layup lines. These guys line up, and they each take, like, a layup or whatever. Um, They had that same thing you know, to kind of warm the players up because they were sitting around for so long. Um, but anyway, so the Nuggets end up running away with this game. Um, you know, you you start to hear, obviously, when you... F- a game between two MVP candidates and Jason Tatum and, and and Jokic, you know, the next day, obviously, it's always the same thing. Oh, who's the MVP? And who's this and that? And, then, you know, and it's just so early to have those debates. Like, you can talk about, you know, I'm okay with people talking about Uh, this is going to make the case, you know, for the MVP. But then it's like they get it like the people on TV, like they get into this, these extremes of like, okay, he's my MVP. Like this is no matter what, like guys, it was December. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we're in January right now. Like it's not even let it, let, let it be some talking points about this is building his case for MVP, blah, 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 you know, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's just going to happen no matter what. I mean, they need the headlines, right? And that's what they're going to be talking about when two guys like this go at it. Um, You know, I want to before I end this episode, uh, because this is an episode I'm recording today, um, but I'm looking at, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, 71 points like in an overtime game, obviously. But you I mean, we just saw a crazy Luka game. Right. And and here comes Donovan Mitchell, just 71 points, 11 assists eight rebounds, so he was two rebounds shy of a 71-point triple-double. But, you know, I want to talk about this real quick because I'm sure everyone's talking about it now, Um, but this is something I would rather talk about, right? Like 20 for 25 from the free throw line. I mean, the level of focus, right, 80% and 46% from three. Seven for 15 from the three-point line, right? 22 for 34. Like the Cavs needed every bucket from this guy you know, and, you know, you're looking at the help he got, right, 19 points from Jetty Osman, 21 from Jared Allen, you know, you get a nice little 10-point tw- contribution, a little struggle, though, 1 for 7 from 3 from Karis Levert, but, you know, you get 12 from Kevin Love, so obviously, you know, this was a game where they really needed Donovan Mitchell to pop off, um, but this is something that I'm not hearing enough about, right, and when you see these, these games where it's high-scoring right like the kobe the kobe 81 point game the devin booker 70 point game like you know these are games that are high efficiency games like you're not getting to these points unless you're shooting highly efficiently or it's there's like 10 overtimes right like for example like like unless there's a ton of time or you have a ton of free throws you have to be efficient like very highly efficient to hit these numbers because Unless you're gonna get like a thousand possessions, right? Um, you're gonna need to score efficiently, and that's what we saw from D- from Donovan Mitchell, right? Like to score these numbers, I mean, it's crazy. And, and and the first conversation that that comes around is. You know, is it good for the NBA that we're seeing so many, so many scoring records being broken like night in and night out? And you know, because it, maybe it takes away from how hard it is to do it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you have to think about right the take foul rule, right? That's gonna speed the game up a ton. Right. You look at when when teams take a shot and they hit the rim, right? And they grab the rebound. The shot clock resets if, if the offensive team gets the offensive rebound. It resets to 14 seconds. Right. So that also speeds up the pace of the game. Uh you're looking at obviously a lot of foul calls, right? So guys are going to the free throw line a ton. Um you're looking at just more possessions in general, more three-pointers, which leads to, like I said, just more possessions. So yes, it opens the field for the ability to score more points but you still have to be incredibly efficient to do so and you're also doing it against modern defensive schemes right now i'm not saying the bulls are are, are a lockdown defensive team because no they're not um, you know what i'm saying but but you know you you're doing it in an era where 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 the teams are very they're very advanced right? When it comes to making adjustments and, and you know, there, there's just, there's just a lot more that has evolved in the NBA from defense and offensive perspective, right? Like, so these performances, yes, while we do see them more because of the rule changes, because of the skill that's evolved, it, you're going to see it often. Um, but I, I want to disagree with that. People saying that it's, that it's a watered down league and that everyone's dropping a bunch of points. You know, um, do I think that there's too many threes going on. Yes. You know, I'm definitely on the side of we're seeing way too many threes. You know, that's, that's the only thing that I will agree with in that sense. Like, yes, we go through way too many possessions where team on the other end, they shoot a three with like, you know, 18 seconds left in the shot clock. Like basically the first possession uh, immediately, like the first few seconds on the shot clock, three pointer goes up. It's a miss. Get team sprints to the other end. They're all running to the three point line. They take a three, miss or make whatever team takes it out. They don't even, some teams aren't even like defending, right? Like you see that often and it looks ugly. They're not defending because they're already thinking, okay, whatever, we're going to get our three next, right? That, those are the things that I feel like they do hurt the game when you're seeing so many back-to-back threes from, from opposing teams, because it's like, you're just watching just chuck threes, chuck threes, chuck threes. And yes, that to me is very hard to watch sometimes. Uh, but I will say this when they're going in (laughs) right like when both teams are hot you can't complain about that right because the shots are falling but it's when they're not falling and and the teams continue to shoot threes Um, like they're shooting like 25 percent from three and you're still seeing them chuck threes that's when I change the channel or I'm just like okay like this is not fun to watch right like can we see some can we see some uh some game planning. Can we see some strategy? Can we see some plays, you know, can we see some 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 actions here? Like cuz all we're seeing is, you know, dribble handoff and three-pointers, three-pointers, three, pointers, three, pointers, three po- it, it's it's just like that's what people are complaining about. Uh, specifically the older generation of fans, they don't like to see so many threes, you know. Um and that's just my gripe about it, right? Like I don't want to take away from Donovan Mitchell's night. It was amazing i can't believe that we're seeing um you know so much it's just crazy to see how much skill around the league like you know you're seeing 60 point games 70 point games 40 point games 50 point games like it's almost every night you see something crazy right like these the points are out of control um and you have to you have to give credit to to the players these days they're just incredibly skilled you know and and it really gives you a reason to watch pretty much any game Right. Um, The NBA is in a very great place. You know, Uh, small market teams are contenders. Right. Um, Young players are evolving. You know, we're seeing the skill that's not even that's not even in the NBA yet. And guys coming in. Right. Like a Scoot Henderson in the G League. You're seeing the Thompson twins in college. You're seeing, um, you know, obviously, Victor Wembenyama out there, you know, and and you're just and, and you have a Jason Tatum. You have a Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. Um, you're looking at, uh, obviously like a Pascal Siakam, you know, a guy from Cameroon. I mean, it's just like, like the skill is just everywhere. You know, John Moran for the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a league that's so, the skill is so spread out, you know, Zion Williamson for the Pelicans. I don't want to leave anyone out. You know, it's going to be hard because there's just so many, you know, Luka Doncic for the Mavs. I mean, like the NBA's in a great place and it's been awesome to watch and I can't wait to see what happens for the rest of this season you know All-Star, All-Star uh, break All-Star weekend is right around the corner I'm excited for the rest of this season uh, this episode was fun talk a little bit about all the games that I was watching kind of breeze through a lot of them um, just kind of giving some quick thoughts without letting this episode get too long uh, but that's going to do it for this episode this is the All Things Basketball podcast I'm your host Vic Lopez as always and I'll catch you guys on the next one